and Odyssey, where original audio stories come to life with actors who make your family feel like they are part of the experience. These fictional character-building dramas are created by an award-winning team that use creative storytelling to teach lasting truths. These popular dramatic audio recordings create vivid visual images in the minds of listeners which may be why more than 20 million Adventures and Odyssey products have been distributed worldwide. So, welcome to Odyssey. Come for a visit and experience a world full of fun. The entire family will enjoy listening to Adventures in Odyssey, and it's a great opportunity to establish lifelong faith and family traditions. Take your children to a world they will love. All right, listeners, we're back, and you're listening to the Story Nook Podcast. I'm Ailea Ruth King, your host, and today you are joining me on an adventure that you will never forget. Today we will be reading Chapter 3, Number of the Stars. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Chapter 3. Number of Stars. Where is Miss Hirsch? The days of September passed, one after the other, much the same. Anne-Marie and Ellen walked to school together and home again, always now taking the longer way, avoiding the tall soldier and his partner. Christy dwaddled just behind them or scampered her head, never out of their sight. The two mothers still had their coffee together in the afternoons. They began to knit mittens as the days grew slightly shorter and the first leaves began to fall from the trees. Because another winter was coming, everyone will remember the last one. There was no fuel now for the homes and apartments in Copenhagen, and the winter nights were terrible cold. Like the other families in their buildings, the Johansons had opened up the old chimney and installed a little stove to use for heat when they could find coal to burn. Mama used it too, sometimes for cooking because electricity was rationed now. At night, they used candles for light. Sometimes Ellen's father, a teacher, complained in frustration because he couldn't see in the dim light to correct his students' papers. Soon we will have to add another blanket to your bed, Mama said one morning, as she and Anne-Marie tidied the bedroom. Christy and I are lucky to have each other for warmth in the winter, Anne-Marie said. Poor Ellen, to have no sisters. She will have to snuggle in with her Mama and Papa whenever it gets cold, Mama said, smiling. I remember when Christy slept between you and Papa, she was supposed to stay in her crib, but she'd get up in the middle of the night and she would climb out and get into in with you. Anne-Marie said, smoothing the pillows on the bed. 
Then she hesitated and glanced at her mother, fearful she had said the wrong thing. The thing that would bring the pain look back into her mother's face. The days when little Christy slept in Mama and Papa's room were the days when Lise and Anne-Marie shared this bed. But Mama was laughing quietly. I remember too, she said. Sometimes she wet the bed in the middle of the night. I did not, Christy said hotly from the bedroom doorway. I never, ever did that. Mama, still laughing, knelt and kissed Christy on the cheek. Time to leave for school, girls, she said. She began to button Christy's jacket. Oh dear, she said suddenly. Look, this button has broken right in half. Anne-Marie, take Christy with you. After school to the little shop where Miss Herschel's thread button, thread and buttons. See if you can buy just one to match the others on her jacket. I'll give you some coroner. It shouldn't cost very much. But after school, when the girls stopped at the shop, there had which had been there as long as Anne Marie could remember, they found it closed. There was a new padlock on the door and a sign, but the sign was in German. They couldn't read the words. I wonder if Miss Hirsch is sick, Anne Marie said as they walked away. I saw her Saturday, Ellen said. She looked fine. She was with her husband and their son. Or at least their parents look fine. The son always looks like a horror. She giggled. Anne-Marie made a face. The Hirsch family lived in the same neighborhood, so they had seen the boy Samuel often. He was a tall teenager with thick glasses, stooped shoulders, and unruly hair. He rode a bicycle to school, leaning forward and squinting, wrinkling his nose to nudge his glasses into place. His bicycle had wooden wheels. Now that wouldn't, now that rubber tires weren't available and it creaked and clattered on the street. I think the Hershes all went on vacation to the seashore, Christy announced, and I suppose they took a big basket of pink frosted cupcakes with them, Anne Ring said sarcastically to her sister. Yes, I suppose they did, Christy replied. Anne Ring and Ellen exchanged looks that meant Christy is so dumb. No one in Copenhagen had taken a vacation to the seashore since the war began. There were no pink frosted cupcakes, and there hadn't been for months. Still, Anne-Marie thought, looking back at the shop before they turned the corner, where was Miss Hirsch? The Hirsch family had gone somewhere. Why else would they close their shop? Are you sh- Mama was troubled when she heard the news. Are you sure, she asked several times. We can find another button someplace, Anne-Marie reassured her, or we can take one from the bottom of the jacket and move it up. It won't show very much. But it didn't seem to you like the it didn't seem to be the jacket that worried Mama. Are you sure the sign was in German? she asked. Maybe you didn't look carefully. Mama, it had a swastika on it. Her mother turned away with a distracted look. Anne Marie, watch your sister for a few moments and began to peel the potatoes for dinner. I'll be right back. Where are you going, Anne-Marie asked as her mother started for the door. I want to talk to Miss Rosen. Puzzled, Anne-Marie watched her mother leave the apartment. She went into the kitchen and opened the door to the cupboard where the potatoes were kept. Every night now, it seemed, they had potatoes for dinner and very little else. Anne-Marie was almost asleep when there was a light knock on the bedroom door. Candlelight appeared when the door opened and and mother stepped in. Are you asleep, Anne-Marie? No. Why? 
is something wrong? Nothing's wrong, but I'd like you to get up and come into the living room. Peter's here. Papa and I want to talk to you. Anne-Marie jumped out of bed and Christy grunted in her sleep. Peter, she hadn't seen him in a long time. There's something frightening about his being here at night. Copenhagen had a curfew and no citizens were allowed after out after 8 o'clock. It was very dangerous, she knew, for Peter to visit at this time. But she was delighted that he was here. Though his visits were always hurried, they almost seemed secret somehow in a way she couldn't quite put her finger on. Still, it was a treat to see Peter. It brought back memories of happier times, and her parents loved Peter too. They said he was like a son. Barefoot, she ran into the living room and into Peter's arms. He grinned, kissed her cheek, and ruffled her long hair. You've grown taller since I saw you last, he told her. You're all legs. Emery laughed. I won the girls' foot race last Friday at school, she told him proudly. Where have you been? We've mixed you. My work takes me all over, Peter explained. Look, I brought you something. One for Christy, too. He reached into his pocket and handed her two seashells. Anne-Marie put the smaller one on the table to save it for her sister. She held the other in her hands, turning it in the light, looking at the rigid, pearly surface. It was so like Peter to bring just the right gift. For your mom and papa, I brought something more practical, two bottles of beer. Mama and Papa smiled and raised their glasses. Papa took a sip and wiped the foam from his upper lip. Then his face became more serious. Anne-Marie, he said, Peter tells me that the Germans have issued orders closing many stores run by the Jews. Jewish? Is that why the button shop is closed? What have they done? Why have they done that? Peter leaned forward. It's their new way of tormenting. For some reason, they want to torment Jewish people, as it happened in other countries. They have taken their time here and have let us relax a little, but now it seems to be starting. But why the button shop? What harm is a button shop? Miss Hirsch is such a nice lady. Even Samuel is a dope. But he never harm anyone. How could he? He can't even see with his thick glasses. Then Anne-Marie thought of something else. If they can't sell their buttons, how will they earn a living? Friends will take care of them, Mama said gently. That's what friends do. Anne-Marie nodded. Mama was right. Of course. Friends and neighbors would go to all the homes of the Her- to the homes home of the Hirsch family would take them fish and potatoes and bread and herbs for making tea. Or maybe Peter would even take them a beer. They would be comfortable until the shop was allowed to open again. Then suddenly she sat upright, her eyes wide. Mama, she said, Papa, the Rosens are Jewish too. Her parents nodded, their faces serious and drawn. I talked to Sophie Rosen this afternoon after you told me about the button shop, Mama said. She knows what is happening, but she doesn't think that it will affect them. Anne-Marie thought and understood. She relaxed. Miss Rosen doesn't have a shop. She's a, he's, he's a teacher. They can't close a whole school. She looked at Peter with a question in her eyes. Can they? I think the Rosens will be all right, he said. But you keep an eye on your friend Ellen and stay away from the soldiers. Your mother told me about 
what happened on Sturbrogade. Anne-Marie shrugged. They had almost forgotten the incident. It was nothing. They were only bored and looking for someone to talk to, I think. She turned to father. Papa, do you remember what you heard the boy say to the soldier? That all of Denmark would be the king's bodyguard? Your father smiled. I have never forgotten it, he said. Well, Anne-Marie said slowly. Now I think that all of Denmark must be bodyguard for the Jews as well. So we shall be, Papa replied. Peter stood. I must go, he said. And you, Longlegs, it is way past your bedtime now. He hugged Anne-Marie again. Later, once more in her bed beside the warm cocoon of her sisters, Anne-Marie remembered how her father had said three years before that he would die to protect the king. That her mother would too, and Anne-Marie, seven years old, had announced proudly that she also would. Now she was ten with long legs and no more silly dreams of pink frosted cupcakes. Now she and all the Danes were the bodyguards for Ellen and Ellen's parents and all of Denmark's Jews. Would she die to protect them? Truly? Anne-Marie was honest enough to admit, there in the darkness to herself, that she wasn't sure. For a moment she had felt frightened, but she pulled a blanket up higher around her neck and relaxed. It was all imaginary anyway, not real. It was only in the fairy tales that people were called upon to be so brave, to die for one another, not in real life, Denmark. Oh, there were soldiers, that was true. And the courageous resistance leaders who sometimes lost their lives, that was true too. But ordinary people, like the Rosens and the Johansons? Anne-Marie admitted to herself, snuggling there in the quiet dark, that she was glad to be an ordinary person who would never be called upon for courage. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for listening to another adventure in the Story Note. I'm Ilya Ruth King, and you have been reading Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry. I hope you'll join me on another adventure. Thank you. This is the Story Nook Institute. Thank you.